Hi, I'm Cheryl and Fenn. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horse. Do you enjoy listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the podcast? Have you picked up our book yet? Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. That has over 100 cast and crew who have contributed to this book. And it's, I think people really love it. I mean, we also have community commentary where a lot of the community have participated in this. It's just a great book. We recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. It is a story of many, but it begins with one. And I knew her. The one leading to the many is Laura Palmer. Laura is the one. Welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazask, and beside me, as always, is Ben Durant. Hello, Ben. Hi, Brian. How's it going? Pretty good. <laughs> do you know what next week we're doing is? Should we tell everybody what we're going to do next week before we get into the show? Yeah, let's just talk about next week real quick. All right. So next week, we're going to be recording out of the studio, so bear with us. For any audio technical difficulties, we think we have mastered the out-of-the-studio recording. I don't think I have. <laughs> so I think we might be fine. And then the following week, we hope to do something very special, very big and grand for your ears. I hope it turns out the way I envision it. Who knows? We shall see. Who knows? We, but we are yeah, going we to know. Washington State in about a week, the Twin Peaks Fest. I know. Are you excited, Ben? I am. Is your inner child, like, so excited about Yes, this? I cannot control myself. You know, I literally, literally have been waiting 25 years to go to this fest. No joke. I got, I, I, know, I know we should get into the show, but I want to give another minute. I got a letter back in 92... And the letter was saying that there was going to be a festival, and uh, the stars from the Twin Peaks Fest, per New Line, uh, the ones that did Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me, they distributed yeah. it, and they had they they basically said the fest was happening, and I was so excited, I wanted to go. I think I was seventeen years old. Wow. My, my family would not let me go cross. It would have been that. cheaper at that time to go. Now, then. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But <laughs> Cheryl Lee and Maury Kelly and Chris Isaac and Ray Wise and James Marsh and Catherine Colson, wow. Dana Ashbrook, Dana, David Lynch were all scheduled to be there. Did for, David Lynch go to that? He did. He actually so he did he one... introduced, well, yeah, he introduced the, the Firewalk with me. So they're showing Firewalk with me. So a lot of people don't consider that the first festival. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a community festival. It wasn't like organized by the community. But this it, started it. It did start it. It was, and I think they did similar things to what they've done today. I think there was games, and yeah. there was, of course, Q and A, and there was all sorts of stuff. So I, yeah. even though a lot of people, I still consider this the first festival. So I'm going to 25 years later. I'm going to the festival, but I, I can't so believe cool. it's funny just how life works out. That like you know you think oh yeah I'll go I'll go and then you we're know, going we're going. They finally finished their list of people who are going to be at this year's festival is probably the biggest list that they've ever had. Yeah, there's 14 celebrity guests. I don't think, I was looking at previous years, I don't think they've ever had this many people yeah. in one year. Any Anyone that you're really looking forward to seeing? Um, Personally, I I want to meet the woman who plays Nadine. Yeah. I'm very excited. 
I think it's so cool. And also, we've actually had someone on our show like just last week who they just announced. Yeah, Lisa there. Yeah, Lisa. That's awesome. Uh, for me, the people we've had on the show, we haven't met in person. I'd love to meet them in person. And then to see Lucy and Charlotte and even James. And I think Sherilyn Finn is going to be awesome. We've had her on the show. We'd love to meet her in person. And then uh, Krista Bell. Crystal, She's cool. yeah, I think Tammy there, Tammy, right? be yeah. really cool. Al Strobe, the one arm man, I yeah, like to see him. that's really. And cool. you know, of course, Sheldon Fenn is the number one. Yeah, yeah, that's and cool. you know, I, I, I feel like there could be surprises. Yeah, don't get my hopes up. I feel like, I feel like last year there was. Yeah, last year there was. There are some people that are doing projects, but they're they're in the area, and we're gonna get we'll go talk probably about it a little bit later. But Comic Con, they're gonna this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, and so they're going to be in the area. So if yeah, they're that's what I'm if saying. they're in the area, could they stay another week and just go? To that's the what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, they're all going to be at um, Hall H this Friday, but we'll be talking about that a little bit later on with the guest. We should hop into part ten. Part ten. So Twin Peaks: The Return, part ten, originally aired July sixteenth, twenty seventeen. It, the title is Laura is the One. And I was really hoping for this Laura is like it was based epic, episode. It was like, like an epic, like there can only be one. And, and it was all all Laura. <laughs> I wanted like, I wanted uh, Neo to fight a bunch of yes, Lauras, right, like the yes. Matrix. Didn't happen. Did you take them all out? Do yeah. backflips? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we got the line said near the end of the episode. Right. And this show started with... Uh, the Log Lady intro from the pilot. So, you know, David Lynch did the whole Bravo Log Lady intro. First one is, is was talking about Laura was the one, that there was many, but it all kind of led to Laura. Laura. And it's interesting. The way I look at this, this the way the series has gone so far, when are we going to get to that? We got to be getting there soon. This is getting like... We're down to eight, eight parts left? Yeah. We, we're, yeah, we're down to eight parts left, seven more nights. And the thing is, it's like we gotta get toward this towards this Laura thing, and um, it's kind of aggravating. A part of me is <laughs> aggravated because I'm like, we're getting close, but it doesn't seem like soon enough. Yeah. But I, I have like a a battle of my, in my mind. Right. So one side of my mind says, man, maybe 18 episodes was too much. Hmm. Then I have the other side of my mind. That says, maybe that's not enough because the way it's so moving, the yeah. way this is moving, I don't want it to feel like we have a rushed ending. So I want David Lynch. I'm sure he he's taking his time and he's gonna do it right, but I don't want to take his time up to the last two parts and then just rush through it. Right. But at the same time, like I, you know, know funny it's like that, a battle. Yeah. Ugh. It's so funny. I don't have a problem with Laura, but my problem is the whole Cooper Dougie thing. Like, I get each week that goes by, I'm kind of like, oh, this could, you know, we now have gone through so many weeks now where it could have been FBI agent Dale Cooper. So I struggle with that. I still enjoy it. I'm still embracing it all. Yeah, no doubt. Enjoy it too. Very entertaining. In a movie, it would be a two hour or three hour. We would have no complaints. We'd be like, of course. Why go see. When I go yeah. see Captain America or something like that, that's a typical movie. And yeah. There's a beginning, middle, and ending. And yeah. We, but it's funny that we talk about Laura. They're like, oh, no, we need to have five parts. Yeah. This episode, I will just say, was my favorite. Probably my least favorite out of all of them. 
It's funny, a lot of the community is saying that. I actually really enjoyed this. Really? I, I think I'm the only one, I feel like, in the community. Because like, a fine. lot of people are like, ah, it's not that good. But to me, it was like funny. And I thought I really enjoyed the humor of it. And it's funny, yeah. like, a lot of people think it's um, darker. But I saw a lot of humor in this episode. I, I agree with the humor. No, I mean, overall, entertaining. I enjoyed it. But my least favorite, in a sense, that didn't do much for a lot for me. It had a lot of filler. Didn't have the killer that we've had the last couple <laughs> weeks. This was a lot of filler. Some of these scenes, as we go through, I felt could have been deleted scenes. I felt like Lynch has got all this time. Yeah. Instead of cutting, he was like, well, we can keep it. It's funny because for me, this was kind of like, oh, we finally get these scenes. Like, we finally get a scene with these characters I knew of and I didn't know if we'd get more of. So for Mm. me, I I was really happy to get more of this filler. I don't even think, to me, it wasn't even filler. It was more connecting the dots and say, okay, I see. Not those scenes, though. So we'll break this up like we do. We'll chunk it. To make it easier to talk about, yeah. we can go start with uh, Richard Horn. He visits uh, Miriam Sullivan. Sullivan at her trailer. Now, That's a good. Po- yeah. Do you want to go there? Yes. Right away? Yeah. Well. 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 So, so she. We, we saw her last. I mean, so, we'll set so her up. Ben. Yeah. Sorry, Ben. Richard Horn. You know, he does the whole hit and run. Hit and run. You know, runs over the kid. Yeah. And Miriam. You know, she's the one that loves pies and had to go she's to the a double talker. R. She's a talker. Some people thought she was a waitress. Waitress. She's not a waitress. She was at a school or something. Yeah, like a kindergarten or something. Yeah, yeah. And so she left the double R, and she saw Richard Horn drive off. Yeah. And so she knew that he was the one that ran over the kid. They made eye contact. They made eye contact. Yes. Like he he saw her. She saw him. Yep. And he was just like she she like knew something was up. So she must have got wind that a kid was hit. And that was him. I think she was close enough that she might have seen the whole thing. I know that it's hard to tell, but I think she might have seen the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe, definitely. So I, I wish I was better at, at geographic, but I think I feel like the double R isn't that far away from the in- intersection. She could have heard a scream <laughs> right. or whatever. But you know, it's funny. I always believe Twin Peaks is a small town. You know, it's not fifty-one thousand. I feel it's much. I think it's five thousand. Yeah. And um, this is another way that she knows. Richard Horn. They've known each other. They know who he is. He comes to her trailer, and he basically wants the information to know, hey, did you tell anybody that what happened? I and she s- knew who he was. Yes. He knows Richard Horn. It, I mean, he also is probably a troublemaker in town, and he's like the- I think he's well-known yeah. as a troublemaker. I'm sure he's he's stolen. He's done a lot of bad things. So so what did- No, she said- She said two things. Yeah. What was the first thing? Her first thing, she said she did call the police. So she did reach out to the police- and this is really interesting, and I think we should get, we really get into this more. And she also wrote a letter to Sheriff Truman. Now, I, I'm, I, I, well, if she called the police and told the police this is what happened, mm-hmm. I know who did it. And I sent them a letter to say, if something bad happens to me, it's him. I kind of feel like this part for me was a little odd, because if I was her, I would not have told them that information. What? Why would you tell someone who might attack you? I'm gonna. I left a letter. You sh- that should be secret because that, think, you know. I, so many people do this where, <laughs> where they don't. They're afraid they're gonna get killed or, or hurt, and they do it in a sense that like, hey, don't mess with me. I've called the police. They're on their way, and the person hopefully will back off. So I think it's her way of like. Her defense, defense. defense against him. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's too late for you to hurt me. I've already called the police. I guess I. See, for me, I think the other way. I would think, hey, if this guy does something to me, 
at least I have something out there. Right. But he still did. Yes. Yeah. Did. Well, <laughs> it didn't so, even here's matter. The, here's the main thing is that it seems to me that the majority of the, ch- the police force is crooked. Like the majority, I think. Yes. We, yeah. I mean, so it seems Chad like Richard, and gang. Right. Richard's thinking about this and it's like, oh, good. My people, uh, they took care of it. They they got the call and they ignored it. And I still wonder how Andy fits into this whole thing because you saw Andy a few parts ago that he was looking for the truck, mm-hmm. but he was just by himself doing it. So you do wonder if it was like Chad got the call and said, hey, and, and, you know, a lot of people are doing it. It's like, Andy, I'll let you work on this case because he thinks he's an idiot. So, yep. like, Andy won't get anywhere on this case. I'll give it to him. But it's like, it seems to me that Richard has got a, a lot of the force behind him. Yeah, like, he knows, but he has Chad. That's it. He has, like, Chad behind him. Maybe. I do wonder about this whole drug thing that, like, so Chad is involved with Red. And uh-huh. I'm sorry. Yeah, Richard is involved with Chad, and of course, Richard involved with Red, who's bringing in the drugs. And there's yeah. definitely that whole thing where somehow they're going back and forth between, you know, the Canadian and line. Exactly, and they're they know where Bobby's cameras are, so they can avoid that mm-hmm. at all costs. Right. So they have an in, but I feel like Chad is just a dickish, bumbling fool, and he proves that to to us yet again that he Chad. Kills her. Well, yeah, Richard. Richard. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, Richard kills her, but. She's still breathing. I'm assuming that place is going to blow up because he lit a candle. <laughs> he opened the oh, oven. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was breathing, but uh, she had a pool of blood. Yeah. And I felt so bad. I'm like, like, oh, I wish she didn't say that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm yelling in my head, don't tell him. Aww. Keep that a secret. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. I, 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 I wasn't thinking that way, and I totally get it. Because it could have been a bluff. It didn't matter either way. Yeah. If she said she didn't know, she didn't tell anybody, and she's like, I won't tell anybody. You don't worry about it. He still would have killed her, or he would have harmed her. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. He's think a bad he, guy. He's, he's a bad guy. And now his new name from now on has got to be Dick. Because Rich Dick is short for Richard. So Dick Horn. Just, Dick Horn. Don't we already have one Dick in Twin Peaks? <laughs> now we have to. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, Richard contacts Chad and wants to make sure that the letter that was sent to Truman is taken care of. Yeah. And we get to see Chad in the sheriff's station. And I love that we finally get to see some donuts. I mean, there's a little bit Twin Peaks, that the old Twin Peaks, yeah, we get some donuts. Yeah. And Chad's just hanging out waiting for the mailman. And Lucy's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm enjoying the nice day. And they have a whole conversation about a beautiful nice day. day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't you guys wake up every day and say, what a beautiful day. I, I basically do. They do. <laughs> yeah. So Chad goes to get some mail and he goes through and uh, takes. Yeah. He you take, know where I'm going. Yeah. This, yes. The internet. I didn't notice this. The internet did. So I know Welcome to Twin Peaks. Uh, they had somebody yeah. in their message boards that brought this up. He took the wrong letter. He might have taken the wrong letter. So there, Miriam, uh, but it's a different last name. Different it's last not name. Sullivan. Yeah. So he probably saw it real quick and saw the first name. That seems to be the theory, which is great. I mean, then you're going to see the payoff is that Truman will get the right letter. I am thinking, this is how I see it. David Lynch is broad, and he does things his way. But I really feel like Mark Frost, he he knows the community. He's more in tune, I'm sure, with a lot of us mm. who talk about and listen and all this stuff about his books and the show. And I kind of feel like details, if this comes true, it's a small detail that not a lot of people would notice. But I feel like they a lot of these instances in the show – you know they put together for the community to 
to uh, grab online. Oh yeah, the zone. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Mark Frost is well known for doing that. I yeah. think he he enjoys that people should work for the show. And yeah, like, I agree. And, and like, it's great. They do that. And even like the fact that like when you think about the first parts where you didn't really get information until you got into the credits. Like, oh, Richard's last name is Horn, so he must be related to the Horns and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, these are yeah. things that the only way you could put it together was was by And something like this, if this is true, I mean, so cool. It is. Yeah, it's cool. I hope I hope I hope he took the wrong letter. That's what I'm hoping. Right. It's a Christmas card with like or something <laughs> in there. Stupid. Now the mailman was like oddly looking at him, like probably like Chad. You never come and get the mail. Yeah, like, like he seemed like, what are you doing? Like, why and, are you going through the mail? Yeah, yeah, and Lucy was just odd. Like they knew something was fishy and up. Right. Yeah. So then we'll just skip to uh, Sylvia. Sylvia Horn. Uh, and Johnny, Johnny is all right. Yeah, I know he got he, he was running and banged into the man. They the really wall. she tied him up good. <laughs> you think she would have some sort of like uh, home help? You know she does. I mean, she does have some help. Maybe she fired the help because she was mad at the help last week for letting him go. Yeah, well, it's not like he escaped. Yes. Yeah. And he's all tied up, and Johnny's quite big now. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. Now, I think if he was untied, like, okay, so Richard gets, you know, if during the assault, I feel like Johnny could have took Richard. I feel like Johnny could have knocked him down. The guy looked like a a football player. Yeah. And here's another weird thing. So Richard shows up, and is it... um, Linda, right? Who's who's the grandma? What's the grandma's name? Sylvia. Sylvia. Why is it Linda? Sylvia. She opens the door and she starts yelling at him to go away, and then he just walks in. And I'm like, no, no, you lock doors, lock windows. You call nine one one. Well, it is her grandson? She's so yeah, but she was like, yeah. don't you dare! And she just has the door open. I'm like, no, why are you doing this? She's a tough lady. I mean, I was a, she wasn't in a lot of the original series, but I thought she was always a tough lady, and she could defend herself. And she she would she, give Ben yeah. a horn. <laughs> A piece of her mind. <laughs> she stuff. gave Ben Horn a piece of her mind after. But Aww. the poor woman, this was a hard scene to watch. Yeah. I'm not going to. It was rough. I'm like, where is he going to? Is he going to kill her? In front right. Of and poor Johnny's like, it was kind of heartbreaking because you see Johnny who would probably come to defend his mom. Mm-hmm. And watching his mom being assaulted by this punk. And like... So it's like, does he just need this money to get out of town, to get more drugs? What's I, his yeah, end goal? Yeah, I definitely goal? think he's. I think he's running away. I mean, yeah. he basically is saying that that he's leaving, and you want me to leave? I'm going to leave. So I think that he's. He realizes he can't stay. Sooner or later, it's going to catch up with him. Now, how is this going to give us Audrey? How do you think? We're. I think Audrey's that, coming soon. Yeah, because right, because so now we 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 learn that he he is the grandchild of. Sylvia and Ben Horn. And so, as far as I know, they've only had two children, Johnny and Audrey. And I don't oh, and think Donna. Well, that's true. That's Ben's daughter, but it wasn't official. So I'm I'm sure Donna stayed with the Haywards. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. I, yeah. So it's, and it's, he looks very strikingly like Audrey. Right. And I think the way he smokes and there's different. There's definitely different mannerisms where we kind of see Audrey. Now, here's a question I want to ask you, Ben. I thought about this today. Does this like, because this is a different beast. It's Twin Peaks, mm. but 
does this act of cruelty by uh, this guy who could be Audrey's spawn, her son, does this, like, taint? Does this make you kind of angry about Audrey? Like, like Audrey, you know, you loved her, and she was a great character, and then all of a sudden we're dealing with her supposedly son, and he's acting out like this way. Are you kind of like, oh, this is aggravating? You want Audrey to come in and just slap him and be like, get your act together? Sure. I mean, is it? It's, it's kind of like, ah. Uh, yeah, I definitely want somebody you know to slap saying? him. Yeah. And get, yeah, I definitely want him to be like, you know, grow up. And yeah, I'm I'm concerned that Audrey is something's wrong with Audrey yeah. or something, or she's not in Twin Peaks or she's gone. She's in the coma still. Yeah, the I didn't r- think she'd be there for 25 years though. I can't imagine the that. rumor. I mean, a lot of people are speculating this, and I kind of believe it that this is. Audrey's and Mr. C's kid. Because he's evil. Mm-hmm. He's pure evil. Right. And if Audrey always wanted to be with Mr. C, uh, with Cooper, and now that Mr. C, he's like, well, I'll be with you. Like, well, go- he's it, evil. It, it goes back to the want and need, where we hear Mr. C say, "The I don't need anything, I want stuff. And then mm. we go back to the Audrey in yes. naked in Cooper's bed, and Cooper basically says it's not about want and need. And he's it's basically saying, he's the opposite. the opposite. He's saying, you know, what I need to do is the yeah. right thing. You're a child. You're I can't take advantage of you. I and so, so right. So you have yeah. good Cooper doing the right thing, and then you have Mr. Mr. C. C who says, "I just want to do it. and I'm going to do it." And that could be a clue. And I think, I think you said that before. And I think you're absolutely right. I, I do feel that this is this is this kid is a spawn of those two. But it's heartbreaking. Like I don't even want to think about that. Right. Until we see it, yeah. I kind of have hopes it's not. But right. I kind of feel like that's where we're going. It takes away uh, Audrey. You know. It does. You know what it's like. Uh, it's like. I love The Force Awakens, but seeing Han Solo, spoilers if you haven't seen The Force Awakens. What? What? Okay. If you have you seen that movie, I you I cried. And you know what I'm saying? It it changes things. Sure. You can always go back to the old ones, no doubt, but it still changes things. But all I think all great work has to if they're going into the future, yeah. they have to be risk takers, they have to do things uh, that aren't expected. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But it it just put a kind of change it just makes you feel differently i guess totally so yeah johnny steals the stuff takes off calls her all kinds of words really really <laughs> a lot really, of strong words, of strong, words. <laughs> strong strong horrible words uh, um, oh and i have to say something here oh say, hello johnny how are you, you today, today. <laughs> i love it. it just kept on saying it over and over oh, again for me that like it was creepy was, it was creepy but it was kind of funny to me like i get it in this horrific stuff, there's somehow there's some humor that like the, the bear just keeps saying the thing over and over again, and while well, this is all happening, it was sort of like when Maddie dies and you hear the fan and you just keep oh the, the record you keep hearing no, the record. No, there was nothing funny about that. Scene, no, though. but yeah. you just hear this noise yeah, yeah. repeat. This sure. is sort of the same thing. Um, I want to talk about that 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 bear. So it's like a bear with a bubble. Like Teddy Ruppsy. With a bubble head, and it's drawn on. And it reminded me a lot of the fluke monster from X-Files. It had the, those oh, fish yeah. lips. I can see that. With the teeth. Sure. And I'm like, that reminds me of the X-Files a little it bit. It looks like, I can't think of what, what it, if it's Dumbland or what it is, but it looks like some other work that Lynch has done. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. Yeah. I'm sure. There's a lot of love letters to his artwork this episode. Um, but you know, the big questions is why did Sylvia open the door wide open if she didn't want to come in? I think she should have just locked up, called the police. 
but that's just me. And and then um that was it for that scene. I'm sorry. So we're going we move on to the trailer park. Uh Carl Rod is playing guitar and singing, which I thought was a nice scene. I like Yeah, it's singing. the year of Carl, man. Right. Like and it's it, really cool. I think we all know that this is not the same location that he's no longer, you know, He's no longer where he used to live. He now lives in Twin Peaks, and you can see that by where he, his home and stuff. It's is. Fat Trout too. Yes, it's the, the new, the new, <laughs> fat new trout. and improved. So you have that, and then you hear this noise, this commotion, and there's a cup that goes through the window, and you find out it's Stephen and Becky in a dispute. Oh, it was like Macaulay Culkin going. I thought he looked like Macaulay Culkin. And he's like, he was going off on her. Yeah, he raised his fist. I mean, we didn't see. It was scary. It was very scary. And it's like, I think it was Shelly and Leo Leo. all over But this is like even worse. I mean, we laugh at Firewalk With Me when you see Leo. This, this is, is our house. This is our house. This is how you wash the floor. I'm going to show you. Oh. And he's on his fall fours. He's rubbing the floor. And you're going to do it. At the same time, I didn't laugh when he put a sock, I mean, I put a soap in the sock and yeah. tried to beat up. Uh, no, no, not, that wasn't it. funny. Right. But, but, but it was like, back then, these act of violence was kind of comical because they couldn't show much. Mm. So they left a lot off to our imagination. But sometimes the things that Leo had said was ridiculous. And if you're a housewife and your husband said that to you now, you'd probably laugh at him. Be like, get a life, loser. But this, this was yet another jarring moment. It was like, jarring moment takes you in a lull, jarring moment. Mm-hmm. It was like, you kind of getting get punched in the gut constantly this episode yes. with these moments. It's funny. I I just appreciate all these like tender moments. So you have Carl yeah. playing the guitar and singing and I think that's wonderful. And and yeah, I know a lot of people see all the violence and, and there is so much more but for some reason I, I enjoyed all these. Because you're positive. I'm positive. I'm just an <laughs> outgoing positive guy. I kind of wanted him to sing a whole song. I yeah, was kind I of. I was gonna. Yeah. I, I really liked it. And so now we are getting into the Mitchum brothers. Mm, which we haven't seen since, like, part two. Yeah, it's been a while, right? Well, I mean... Well, the first one. We met the, we met the guy from the casino during the casino stuff. Yeah, I don't know if it was part two, if it was or part three, three but it was yeah. really early on. Very right? early yeah. on. So the Mitchum brothers, uh, Rodney Mitchum is reviewing surveillance log, which I thought was interesting, and Candy is... Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> she is uh, trying to smack a fly. fly, and I do not like this scene at all. <laughs> I know we texted each other. You didn't like this. I really enjoy Candy. Ah, I think she's funny. I love the way her the yeah. movement of her hand and the way she just, she's in some ways she's subtle, and other times she's just off the wall. And it she's, was pre- I think she's funny. It was fun. It was a fun scene. It was predictable. I'm like, is she gonna hit him in the head with a newspaper? It was a remote control. I think we all saw it coming. But I think I had a different. I envisioned these characters differently. Yes. And it didn't meet expectation, and I didn't like it. Um, I kind of felt this was for me the first. To me, was the first fluff of the episode. Okay. That whole scene to me felt like it could have been on the editing room floor. We could have saw it on the DVD, and it would have been. It 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 stands alone by itself. But I don't know if it had to be in this episode. It was. So, I, you know, it is what it is. I enjoyed it, but it, I felt fluffy. And I wanted the three girls to be, like, um, like badasses. So when we first saw them, they're leaning against the wall. And they're just, they don't care about anything. And I kind and of they feel. Don't. They don't. Now we know they really don't. They're really out to lunch. <laughs> they're really out to lunch. But I kind of felt like they were, like, they were, like, 
goons for them, like female goons. Like they could be seductive, they could be badasses, they can take care of business if they needed to. And, and I, I, know I, I like that mystery. All we know is can- about candy, yeah, really. but now we know that Candy's just like out on Planet Nine doing whatever. We don't even know what's going on in her head. Yes. And I enjoyed that though. Yeah. So she did take the remote and she smacked Rodney in the head. I, I thought it was comical in a way because you had I Roddy comes off as like a thug, a gangster type of character. And I yeah. feel like he's a really tough guy. And you have this blonde kind of out there girl <laughs> who kind of beat him up. And I think that's kind of funny in a way. I don't know. I yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was fun. So that happened. Yep. And she was so upset. And she was crying. And like, I can't believe I hit you. I, I know. I didn't get it. It was like, you, <laughs> you know you hit him. You, right. you had a remote to his face. But yeah, I mean, it was still like I said, it was it it was entertaining. Yes, it was entertaining. So it was later on, you know, they're still hanging out, and there's a news, and and the news of uh, Dougie Cooper about where Ike tried to uh, kill him, and, and they know Ike. They're like Ike got yeah. busted, and he was, they were happy about it. It's like yeah. ah, too bad. Yeah, yeah. They they finally got him. But the interesting thing was, I thought this news coverage maybe uh, Gordon Cole or maybe. I thought maybe it would go further and we would finally find out that, you know, Cooper mm. was here. But it really was for, I mean, set up for the Mitchum brothers. Yeah. And th- what they really got out of that was that it was... Uh, Dougie Jones. Dougie Jones, Mr. Jackpot. Mr. Jackpot. And they're like, they're putting the they're putting the things together now, you know? They're kind of, I mean, I don't know if we want to go into the next scene with the insurance salesman. Yes, I want to keep going there. Okay. So that, yeah, so they go from, that's, that's our Mr. Jackpot. So... This part, I'm opposite. The fly part, I don't think I needed. This part, for some reason, cracked me up, and I really liked it. Um, was there before you get there? I, yeah, just, I yeah. don't know if you're going to Duncan Todd. So Duncan Todd is the other character who he he has envelopes. He gives them to Ike. You know, he's yes. the character that gets this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we learned, I think, last week that Mr. C called him and like, you need to finish the job, or basically, you're gonna get yep. it done. I think this is the first time we realize that Duncan knows Anthony Sinclair. And Anthony Sinclair is that shady uh, co-worker of yes. Dougie's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, oh, we're now connecting the dots that yeah. they kind of know each other. And clearly, uh, Anthony Sinclair has done shady insurance work with the, Duncan Todd. Yeah, and the brothers and whoever. <laughs> right. You know? So, it's, it's, so how Duncan's going to try and basically get rid of Dougie is he's going to use Anthony to reach out to the brothers and basically put all this on Dougie and then mm-hmm. they will go out and kill the, the brothers will go try to kill Dougie. Dougie. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. So now you can get into this, the casino. Yeah, so they they're like we want you to um like the you know uh Mr. Todd tells him this so he goes to the casino, the brothers are upstairs. Now this yet again is another moment I'm yelling in my head. Why didn't you just ask the floor manager to bring him up? No, so, yeah, the floor so, manager was right so there. Rodney asked Candy, can you go get the... And he said, Candy, Anthony. Candy, Candy. <laughs> she doesn't She's not it. responding. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. No, no, no. I thought that was okay. sort of funny. Yes. When she goes out there, yes. right here, she's out there, and they're watching... I love the reaction of them watching her. Right, she she's telling talking. us. She's like, we don't have any audio, so all we see is her moving her hands and like, what is she Dude, saying? I was dying yeah. when they're like, we told you just get them. Now you'll be out there for four hours. Right. I was dying because I know people like that. You know, you're like, aren't you like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you know, you know, people are like, hey, let's go. 
two hours later, um, you're like, right. I, and you you're know, like, what the heck could they be talking, talking about? about? All you had to do is go bring him yes. in here. And stuff. I think I said to you, it could have even been longer for me. I thought it was so funny. But say, I rewatched it, and it, it probably was, it was the perfect. perfect length. It was it really perfect. Was. But he's like, you're watching, like, she's now looking over this direction. She's yes. just like, what the heck? And then for her to find the, I think they had to call her in again. They had to call the say, floor manager. Floor manager's like, bring her, yes. bring him in. And I'm like, why did they just ask him to begin with? Yeah. Why did they even send Candy out there? Well, I think it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's about professionalism, I guess. Yeah, I guess. In some ways, it looks better to have a girl on a guy's arm and going. Yeah, it doesn't look suspicious like right. something's going on. And then, you know, one of them says, I know, I know, but if we fire her, where would she go? Yeah. So I can't believe oh, they're they taking. Heart somehow. They're, ta- yeah. they're taking. It's like gangsters with a heart all yeah. of a sudden. Well, we're gonna kill people, but we can't let Candy go because she's a little dumb. Mm. You know. <laughs> we I take don't know pity. why. I, as I started watching that scene, for some reason I started thinking of like One Eye Jacks. Maybe yes. One Eye Jacks is a casino too, and a gambling. But they also had like the ladies there. Parallels. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're kind of having the same sort of setup that the One Eye Jacks. It, I. You have the girls. The same thing. Right. But. I thought this scene was funny, and I really liked. It. I laughed out loud, and I rewatched it, and I loved it. The and then for the time. guy to finally come yeah. in, it's like, what did you talk about? Yes. And like the guy just like, you know, Candy did the talk, and then she explained. It's like, oh, it was about the weather. <laughs> and I'm so glad we have air conditioning. <laughs> it's like, what? Why would you bring that up? I know. Can you imagine? Like she just she just comes up to some random person. It's like, you know, it's hot today. <laughs> I'm so glad we have air conditioning. Yeah. And. That was very humorous. So you know, I didn't think it was a fluff piece. I really, I really like that. But um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Those girls, I, I like the shot with them just leaning against the wall, and I want. I just wish I had more mystery behind them. But I feel like there is on the other two. Candy, there might be. A, there's a mystery about what, what's going on with her. My other thought was, what if. They're on the sparkle drug. I thought about that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe they're sedating them. Maybe, maybe candy is on candy. Maybe <laughs> candy's on candy. So, so Anthony basically says to them, "It's all all Dougie's fault. He was in the rejected your insurance policy, and uh, he has it out to get you guys." Mm. And just pin it all on. I him. love how he yeah. says it. He's very villainish. Yes. He's but like the funny thing. He's backing up. And he has to keep on adding. Just like really, he they he really yes. hates you. And then like <laughs> I pictured that Simpsons episode when Homer backs into the bush. That was him. He's just like, no, it's really him, man. He just backs <laughs> up slowly. He absolves into the door and disappears. Yeah. It was really. It, it was very cliche. He needed a mustache that he could like stroke as he said these things. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, but it was very funny. I liked that scene a lot. It was Sadly, cool. the only thing I could think about, like I, I keep saying I do enjoy the Twin Peaks and everything that's going, and you know, I still feel like I wish we had our old Cooper back. But I, when I see these scenes, like oh, the Dougie storyline's not going to end. Like you know, oh, we're finally getting past. You know, we're getting past Jade. We're getting past uh, his his work storyline just seems to be ending. His Ike storyline is ending. Like, so you keep thinking, and it's like, oh, now we've got a whole new story with the brothers. I mean, it's not a new story, but it's a whole new thing to happen. But you said this last week, and we have to remember, this is Cooper. This is not Dougie. You're absolutely right. So we have to, if we can trick our brains to say... This is not the Doug we remember. I mean, oh my God. This is not the Cooper we remember. This is the new Cooper. It's Cooper. 
Yeah, but the funny thing is Lynch was not happy with Cooper in uh, in uh, plaid or like. So you put he, him in a green suit. I know. <laughs> I mean, like back in the day, he didn't like this the way that Cooper was being betrayed. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> and now, now we're. I know that we're gonna get there. I just want to get there faster. That I, we, I want. I, I, I agree. want FBI agent Cooper to get on the case and figure out what happened to Laura. What's going on? How can he? S- That's where my head goes. What I was saying before. I I constantly have this battle. Do we have enough time to tell the story? Or, yes. Or do Sorry, we... You're about Laura. I'm not concerned. I feel like Laura. Yeah. I, for some reason, I feel comfortable. Laura's story will be told. Yeah. It's the. It's some reason for me. Well, it's, it's Cooper. It is. It is Cooper's Odyssey and Major Briggs. It's like both. Yeah, but so I just feel do we Dougie. have enough time for everything? We're talking you know? about, since we're talking about Cooper Dougie, he finally gets to the doctors, and they yeah. uh, and uh, JD He's, gets to check him out. Yeah, you know this doctor's visit was not what I was expecting. It was kind of disappointing. I mean, we they built this doctor's appointment up big time. Like he's got to go to the doctors. We got to the doctors. Yeah, you lost some weight, Dougie. You're doing. You're a pretty healthy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know what's wrong with your head, though. I think that's like a typical doctor's appointment for me. I go there. It's like, yeah, you could lose some weight. You know, it's like, <laughs> thanks, thanks. That's, yeah. that's your your diagnosis. And, and <laughs> we got to see, uh, we got to see him shirtless. And, 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 and Kyle McLaughlin but, does look good. He looks good, especially for his age. I yeah. mean, I could be that fit. <laughs> I know, man. You look good, but then you got to see uh, Janie. Janie leering at him and I'm like but they've been living together for the last couple days like this and you never leave, noticed yeah, he's been leaving his clothing on the whole time I guess I could see Dougie doing that he like sleeps in his <laughs> probably but you're right though she does change him and she dresses him I don't know yeah I'm like did you not realize this whole time Maybe that he like lost a, that weight? air pressure thing to make his muscles look bigger or something that, that yeah I, this is yet another moment where I'm yelling in my head going wait a minute you live with him yes you've seen him naked I'm sure at some point he doesn't even know how to dress himself. I know. <laughs> but this, uh, this get, goes to when they get home, they have sex. <laughs> well, before we get into this, though, it's interesting. Yes. He's eating chocolate cake. Yeah, not pie. Chocolate cake. Chocolate cake. Because it's leftover cake from the birthday. Oh, yes. Yeah. Good so, point. Um, she is all getting hot and bothered, going, are you attracted to me? It was weird. So, I loved it, though. It was so funny. It was Again, adorable. Was, it was funny because he would just look at her and then he'd go back to eating cake. Yes. And so he doesn't even respond. Usually you have a Cooper Dougie basically say, attractive. Or he would say something. He would basically mimic what she said, but he yeah. didn't even do that. So <laughs> to me, that was like, I am not attracted to you. I'm only attracted to Audrey Horn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like that theory. Yeah. Um, no, you know what I was thinking about? This kind of in, indulges their their relationship because I'm almost thinking maybe after this car accident he had, he hasn't been the same, and maybe they haven't had. But this is not the same person. Oh, but you're saying that relationship. She doesn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, right. So I'm thinking their relationship had waned. I'm thinking. Oh, definitely. That I agree. She was I mean, so preoccupied with, a hooker. He with the with kid. A hooker and stuff. He's definitely. There's a problem with the relationship. And he was. He was overweight. She probably lost interest in him. He's seeing hookers. She's like, I'm just going to focus on the house and the kids. And I think sometimes in, in families, it's very hard to keep it going where, where you're just kind of like day to day trying to take care of the kids and yeah. trying to go to work and just to, to pay the bills. And she's so wound up. She's yes. so wound up. And I, you'll, this was a release for her, I, I knew think. I knew we were going to go there. <laughs> and it was so funny. Yes. This was the funniest part. I love the arms just flapping. Hit, flapping yes, yes. And she just kept the saying, grin. Dougie, the grin. Yeah. When he had the big smile at the very end, 
I thought about that moment when he had, he had the big smile eating cherry pie. There you and go. I was like, there's our old Cooper. We saw him. He's oh. right there. So I, I need to make a list here. We, it seems like he, you know, he's seen the American fly, flag. I he, ran out of Wizard of Oz references, oh, Ben. Right. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I don't think that ever happened, Wizard of Oz. You don't think Dorothy so? never had sex with anybody, so. <laughs> all right. Enough of the Wizard of Oz. I but I like it, though. I think it all works. Oh, yeah. But now. But I mean, like, in some interview, Lynch was talking about that it was, it was Cooper kind of learning things again mm. and kind of seeing what he likes and he doesn't like. And so it's like a child growing up. So it's this journey of Cooper realizing, yeah, I like sex. <laughs> now, here, here's the big question, though, before we move on. Do you think when Cooper comes out of it and realize if, if this does, if this happens, I don't know, if he gets out of it, he realizes who he is, does he stay with her? I don't think so. No I, way. Yeah, I think so. You think you think he's gonna stay with she her? She saved his life. No way. Yes, she saved yeah. his life. Cooper's life. I, I you know, I as much as I love Audrey, mm. in all honesty, on all honesty, mm. Cooper's life is to the bureau, to FBI, to the country. <laughs> well, I know that, but she, he, he he deserves to be with someone. He was falling in love with Annie. Yeah, he's got to. He can't just be this guy who does not fall in love and have a family. I think he and is. I, I think that I think she, he really is. Yeah, but I think he's such a boy scout that if he were to come to, and he realizes this woman has been helping him, I think he might just be like, "Yeah." Aren't you the same person that said that she's like a spy or she's an she's somebody that is like not a real person that she was manufactured just for? Okay, okay. <laughs> if if this world doesn't exist, oh, but okay. if this world exists, which it seems to be, so I don't know about my theory anymore. Right. But when I talked to An- you know. when we talked to Andreas, I think I said I feel like this is the road less traveled, or this is the road like there was two ways you could go in life: you could go and be devoted to your work and FBI, or you could have a family and have a life and be like. You know the the, average, day, the Joe. average Joe nine to five job. And stuff yeah, like that. yeah, So I yeah. feel like th- we're getting a, we're getting this moment of what what could have been his life. But I feel like here. I mean, I even think I'm going John Thorne's direction where he's going to become an agent of the White Lodge. So not only is he no longer going to be just devoted to the FBI, his whole life is now going to become towards maybe the White Lodge, an agent for the White Lodge or something. So maybe if we I know even it's kind of sad because you're like, oh, he's got a family and why could he leave? I don't think a, he a beautiful could. wife and a nice child and all that. But I think she's gonna be heartbroken though. But I think she set it up for how she has all this money and she doesn't want to spend the money that he won and that that's gonna be. What... Well, she used a part of it to pay off the pay off those guys. Very small amount. Well, I forgot how yeah. much it was. It was, it was very fraction. small. It was very small amount, and she, and she, she was saying how she didn't want to spend the money on car or anything. She basically said it's going to be a nest egg for you're right. For her son you're right. And that her. could and be. To me, that was her way of saying, "Hey, we're going to be okay once you leave. We're gonna we're gonna have." That's money a good point. I didn't think about that, but personally, I don't know at this point. Just because they had because everything's going so well with them, and I I feel like they're helping each other. Yeah. So they're good. I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, know. I don't see him sticking around. <laughs> I don't. Oh man! Sorry. Typical men. Yeah. Just he was leaving. never really married to her. He is. He's married. Uh, By the, maybe somehow Dougie will come back. In the, the eyes of the church, they're married. Maybe the real Dougie will come back and and he'll realize he did wrong. No, he's a ball. I know he's a ball. <laughs> right. right. All right. So we have Lawrence Jacoby and his video cast, and you know Nadine Hurley is watching it. Yeah, you know, this is another thing I was kind of disappointed with. 
I would love to see who Nadine ends up, if Nadine's still with Big Ed. This is a oh, mystery we'll that out. I really want to see. We know Big Ed's in it, and I'd love, this is what I want. I want to see Nadine si- sipping on that big Slurpee, or whatever she's drinking, watching it, and all of a sudden the camera pans out, and Big Ed puts his hand on her shoulder and what are you watching, Nadine? You watching that crazy guy again? Uh, That's what I want. Uh, so I was kind of wanting more, but we got to see Jacoby. I didn't even think we'd see him again. I figured his his arc was over. Well, but. now we got like Nadine has a drape runner store and yes! she's selling his shovels in there. The, the we saw his the shovel. Run silent run drapes store. Yeah, I don't know if she's selling it or is she just proud of that shovel and and displaying it. In it helped her maybe uh, lift herself up. And get out of the shit. Out of the shit. She dug herself out <laughs> yeah. of the shit. Maybe it really did. What if what if she listened to them? She bought that shovel and she said, you know what? All my life I've wanted, I mean, for 25 years I've wanted to do drapes, uh, silent drapes. I'm going to make my own store and I'm going to do it. And like, maybe. Yeah. It, it's crazy. He empowered her. empowered her. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I just want to mention about how uh, Jacoby, he mentioned, mentions about the monsters of society that they should eat the chemical tasting treats they give us and that they should die and bloat like red fucking balloon. It's like those chips that Dougie's eating all the time. Mr. C, he's eating all those uh, cheese doodles. Yes, but my, my where I'm going to go with this is he mentions a red fucking balloon. The red balloon. We, we saw red balloons early on. We saw it with the neighbors. They had balloons. And then there was mm-hmm. work. There were red balloons. And I don't know if there's... And the where, red dot above the tw- uh, the Twin Peak on the message. Oh, yes. That's right. Which some people say that's, that reminds them of the red balloon. I never thought about that. And it's a red circle. Right. I thought maybe it was a sun or a moon or some kind of yeah, but symbol red. and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah. I was just thinking about the balloons early on. But that's a great point, too. Yeah. But, I mean, we... Uh, reoccurring, yet again, we've had numbers, reoccurring themes, and now a balloon. Red balloon. What does the red balloon stand for? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Jerry is still in the woods without a signal, and he says, you can't fool me. I've been here before. Yeah, you know, it makes me feel like this sparkle, or if he's on drugs, yeah. if he's on a sparkles type thing, I wonder if he sees something. Like, he sees the other plane. It's very cryptic. I mean, I, I do... do I, I don't know if I should read more into it or if he's just been in these woods before and he should be able to find his way out. Or I mean, what. who was talking to his foot? Was his foot really talking in the high-pitched voice? That's not his foot. That wasn't <laughs> his foot. foot. Um, when we have a whole Gordon Cole and Tammy watching Albert and uh, Constantine... Oh uh, yes, Albert and Constance. They were at dinner. They we get to see them at dinner, and th- I kind of felt this was a sweet moment, but for me, was the third fluff moment. I kind of felt the scene w- didn't it didn't we didn't need it. Yeah, it was, but it's sweet. Me, it, it was sweet. To me, it was a little bit of character development. I mean, Albert's always been a very harsh. I mean, we got the moment where he he says that he loves tr- uh, Harry Truman, but for the most part, he's pretty harsh and he's he does he seems to resent people. A lot of times, he'd be like, you know, I'm surprised he didn't say this to her, like, "Oh, you do crappy work," but he seemed to admire her. But so often, the marbles, he... <laughs> the, mar- <laughs> the marbles brought them together. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe. But it was it was a sweet thing, and it was great to see. Uh, Cole and Tammy together and laughing and smiling mm. and, and just saying, oh, isn't it so sweet that yeah. Albert can ha- be happy? Yeah, I, I, it was a sweet moment. But, like, yeah, like, this for me was my third. I'm like, eh, it yeah. could have been on the deleted 
scenes and it hasn't real. Been, I can't remember. I feel like was it your theory that we might lose Albert? That he, he might get killed well, off. Well, I, I I got that impression when him and Cole were talking about everything. And I almost feel like Albert. I don't think I think Albert has more to do with this than we believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we also thought that could have been Albert's voice, not Jeffrey's voice. Oh yes, when it, when it went way back in uh, I think it was part two, yeah, where it was, uh, Agent Jeffries was talking with Mister C, and then we learned it probably wasn't Agent Jeffries. You're yeah. right, it could be. Yeah, but I, God forbid, we lose Albert. If we do, at least we have this moment where he's happy. Like I, yeah, I don't yeah. think we've ever seen this happy in all of Twin Peaks and Firewalk with Me. We've never seen him That's so happy. True. So to, for me, it was a, it was a yeah, great moment just was. for that. But I understand this, the, there's scenes you don't need, yeah. but it just adds to yeah. the show. It's not the needs; it's the wants. <laughs> <laughs> so. Or even sometimes it's, you, don't, you don't realize you want it, it until you see it. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I agree. It goes both ways. What else do you got, Brian? Um, so. Going with the whole Tammy and Cole. So, you know, this takes place at night. Obviously, they're in their hotel. They're having dinner. Um, Cole's in his uh, his room. And Albert, well, someone rings the doorbell. He answers it. And what do we see? We see an apparition. We see, like, we see old footage from Firewalk With Me of Laura. Yeah, so that Firewalk With Me footage is when she says... Um, you know, she's crying. She goes to Donna's place and is like, are you my best friend? friend? And, like, I think this is after she knows that it's her father. But she's really, she's she's broken, so broken. Yeah. But I don't know if we should associate anything with that scene of more of, like, is Gordon uh, Cole haunted by this this Laura Palmer case. Like, I know he wasn't, he didn't do the, all the work that Cooper did, but I still think it's part of this Blue Rose case. And maybe mm. he's haunted by the fact that they haven't been able to truly solve it, truly in the sense of, like, there's something more at work, whether it be spirits and stuff like that. So His intuition's that's kicking what, in. What did, what did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with your line of thinking, but a part of me was like, well, I don't believe you ever saw Laura. He never saw Laura when she was alive. No, but he had files on it, and maybe he was moved that uh, that I believe a seventeen-year-old girl was murdered brutally. Yeah, you know, I'm also thinking that there's something reminding him of things, and he knows that Cooper disappeared after the Laura case. Mm-hmm. And maybe Laura, we know, got sucked out of the lodge. Something saying something to him. I think. When you have, uh, maybe he's having deja vu. Or, um, you know when you think it's deja vu? You don't, you, you remember something, you don't remember how or what, but it happened to you. But maybe he's having that moment. I don't know. I don't know. I, it's like, he's seeing something. Something's calling to him. Something's giving t- him clues. You're taking this as a vision then? Yeah. yeah. He, he saw it, right? He was startled by it. He opened the door and you just saw Laura's face right. and he was it took over the whole screen that whole yeah, yeah it was he, in the doorway there but and he it's saw interesting it. that, that like her scene took place in the doorway with Donna Donna and then this would happen in the doorway with Cole yeah it, it was bizarre I yeah. mean I, that's what I made out of it yeah. though that 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 he's connecting what's happening with that Laura Palmer case and maybe he's frustrated or yeah, haunted by the fact that he yeah. never saw it. And it's funny, the irony is that, like, I feel like Lynch never wants to give up on Laura. Like, you know, yeah. like... Nobody he, does. He, he didn't want to solve the... He didn't ever want the real Laura Palmer case to be solved. It was solved. He then wanted to go back and tell her last week of her life. Mm. And so it seems like he always wants to go back. And that's... It definitely... I mean, it, 
in the title sequence, we see Laura. So we know that she's always there. Laura is the one. So <laughs> we know that she should be part of this. Yeah, so he's seeing a vision that is pointing that is saying, listen, Laura's the one. It, and it's going to lead to her. You've you yes. got to remember Laura Palmer case. That's how you'll figure out Mr. C. Right. You're going to figure out Cooper. And before that scene, he's doodling. And what do you think of this doodle? Well, we come to find out it was a drawing that uh, Lynch had done. Um, I think Joel Baco might have posted this on Twitter. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I, this might be news to me. Are you Joel, saying Lynch, Joel, Lynch has done this drawing before? It's 2010. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I need more information about this. I have to Joel Baco posted it on um, Twitter. And, and no more information than I the sent you the photo of it. I, and I saw said the Joe Boca, Joe Baco. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that, but is there? Do we know what the? What it was I don't about? know the name of it. It came out 2010. That's is, all I remember. Is it a reindeer? Is it a dog with antlers? You know what I was thinking. Yes. I like that David Lynch is incorporating artwork and all these elements of his whole career in this. This is so amazing. I love it. I love it. It just nods to longtime fan like you and the people who are just getting into it the last couple of years like me. And it's like an Easter egg hunt. And um, I think to me, if I were to, I looked at it and I said, that's a hand reaching out to this, this dog that looks like it's on fire or things. It's sort <laughs> of like, could we be the hand trying to extend and put a grasp on David Lynch's mind on Twin Peaks, but it's just on the obscure. On the obscure, but we can't, and we get close, but we always get burned. Maybe we get burned by everything we think is usually wrong. Yes, and I kind of, I kind of took it that way. Interesting. But yeah, that's how I took it. And but. some reason, I don't know the the cufflink, or maybe think of the giant for some reason, or Cooper. It could be Cooper too. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it could be like, you know. He's extending himself to um, touch something, but it's just out of reach. And it's fire. It looks like it's on fire to me. Fire walk with oh, me. It looked like antlers to me. But Oh, it like, had like weird things coming out of its body. It looked like to me like a branch or something. Oh, like that, that's true. That's true. At first I said, is this a walking log? <laughs> is yeah. It like yeah. I mean, you know, it was until after the show and I saw the photos online um, that I, I got a real look at it. But it was cool. I like that. And, you know, come you know the teddy bear head was drawn by Lynch too, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he's bringing his, his he, I mean, he always brings his work, but he definitely seems to be bringing a lot more work to this. Yeah, it's so cool. So Tammy comes by. Oh man, Tammy comes by, and she she basically says, "Listen, I got some photos. Uh, a photo was taken at the uh, well. No, first Cole, we have to finish. Cole comes in. Cole comes in." He has been tracking Diane's phone. He yes. has text messages. Right. He has a response that he, Diane sent to the unknown caller. And so they're kind of like, it's not her suitors. It's not boyfriend material. Mm. There's something going on here. Um, so they're on to her. And I like how they're, they know something's up. They're keeping her close because this could lead to... Somebody. Mr. C. Mr. Maybe. C. Maybe, or who knows, right. Yeah. That was really cool. And also then Tammy comes in with the photos. Now, the photos are of Mr. C when they were putting together um, the glass box, 
which is something we said last week. We think Mr. C's behind the glass box. You have been, I mean, there's been a bunch of people in the community. I think you thought he could be the billionaire. Yeah, I think he created the glass box. Right. I wasn't sure. I think the only thing I did realize it was a link to was not Agent Jeffries basically said, hey, I missed you in New York back in part two. So there was the New York connection that mm. Mr. C definitely had been in New York or yeah. had missed going there, but it seemed like there was a connection there. So now it seems obvious with this photo that he's responsible for the glass box or he's involved with the glass box. And he's there like a scientist. Yes. So he could have paid someone top dollar to say, listen, I want you to create something for me. It needs to do this. I so will the question fund is, you. The question is, why do you think Mr. C would want this glass box? Well, mother. Mother. Uh, the, the, the experiment. Yep. Um, the monster. The monster. And... Um, Maybe, maybe Cooper. Yeah. Maybe the real Cooper. Maybe, maybe the stop the real Cooper ever coming here, and also um, Mother. If if he doesn't come back to the lodge at a certain time, Mother could be coming. And we know something came out of this box and killed two people. Right. So we know Mother or the creation or whatever you want to call it at this point is out. Yeah. And looking for him. Right. Yeah. I, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show, but we'll go back to part eight and the whole atomic bomb. And, you know, I get the sense that, like, this atomic bomb makes a rift, like, basically opens the gateway to the other world. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the monster can't get out. But if she uh, projects what's inside of her, at least some of those things can get out into our world. So mm. I feel like this might be the this might be the first time the monster is able to get loose in our world was because of the glass box. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe you're right. Yeah. So maybe uh, yeah, I I like the idea that maybe Mr. C built this with the intention that like to stop it. No, I think he oh, I to think, bring it in. I think to bring it in. I think he Ooh. wants to be part. I it's all together. Maybe. Wow, that's total chaos. Yes. He's like the Joker. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> Mr. C's pretty evil. Um. Ba -ba 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 -ba. Now, a, a, a great moment. I think that this oh, was... Well, oh, I was going to talk about this moment. No, no, no. Oh, you want to talk about I this I just briefly moment. mentioned that uh, we, yeah. we already kind of talked about Sylvia Horn, but she then does reach out to Ben and basically says, you know, Richard stole all my money. I need more money. And he's not going to give any more money and he's frustrated. But it, it's clear that, you know, she says, I'm going to get my lawyer and I want to, you know, get into this. It seems clear now that Ben Horn and Sylvia have separated or yeah, they're divorced they're divorced and he's supporting her just on alimony or whatever yeah. and um then he asked about beverly you want to go out to dinner like he's frustrated maybe he gives up see beverly so he kind of like is he really is he talking to himself like is he somebody who like oh i'm so sick of this maybe i do want to go out on a date <laughs> or is she in the room i mean i guess she's his, his assistant yeah. so she probably is in the next room and he probably is yelling out to her but yeah yeah. Um, so, so now the, the the big scene. Yeah, the big scene. Like this was a sweet scene, and it, I it was I didn't expect it. I thought we were done, but we got to see the log lady. Yay! I know because I mean you never know how much we're gonna get of her, and it was wonderful to have her back. And you know Hawk is just he, he's just listening to her, and I think yeah. that's beautiful. And I, I think about our interview we had with Michael Horace, how he you know he was so grateful to just get be a part of this. Yeah, and it's funny. I think I think you both we both talked about this off air how. I interpreted that like, oh, he doesn't have many scenes. Like, Michael Horse is only in this a very small bit, but he's appreciative of it. But he seems to be in it a bunch. He's in almost every episode. Some yeah. scene. And it was great to, for him just to... It's almost like 
uh, Margaret just needed to get things off her chest. Like she, she almost was going back into Log Lady intros. Like she was kind of like, yes, feeling like, hey, you know, Trumans are true men, and like she was just giving all her philosophy, and like she just needed somebody to hear her. You yeah, know? and, and he's I think taking so it often, on. I think maybe this character always, you know, she used the log to always kind of say, "Hey, I, I need to be heard. I have mm-hmm. things I want to say, and will you listen to me?" Mm-hmm. And Hawk is willing to listen. Yeah, I think Cooper. You know, everybody seemed always respectful of her, mm. other than when she's at the diner because she sh- she always <laughs> put her gum on the table. Right. But I mean, it's cool. Yeah, Hawk takes it all in, and it was really. I loved it. I didn't want it to end. And it she's was... the one that gives the line. Laura is the one. Laura is the one. Um, and so we had that beautiful scene, and then the episode was capped. At I I I I was jaw dropped, awestruck, eyes glued to the TV for the next five minutes during uh, Rebecca Del Rio. During her performance? Re- Rebecca Del Rio. Yeah, during her performance, I loved it. And I was just like, oh, my God. This is like... Um, uh, Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. Right, she sang in that. That was her. She was crying. I recognize her voice. We, you know, it's weird. I'm, you know... I'm new to everything in a way. Like, I don't connect the dots as quickly as you or John Thorne or everybody. No, I think we all connect but different dots. as soon as she started singing in, was in Spanish, mm. I was like, ah, and I got it. Yeah. And I was like, I know who she is. I all didn't right. recognize her, but the voice. And I don't know what it was, but it was a, a feeling. And so I, beautiful. It was so, so beautiful. Good. The song is No Stars. And... You know, John Neff, who we talked to not that long ago, had a part in creating this song. And I think that would be great if we could just take a second and uh, talk with him about this. So, John, we spoke a few months ago with you, and you had mentioned that you had a song that was going to be part of the new series. And it was came out this week in part 10. Can you talk about this? Sure. The song is called No Stars. And it originally uh, started life as a Blue Bob song that gave birth to this song. We had done a song in Mulholland Drive called Pretty Fifties, which was a light and airy kind of whimsical set of chords that evoked the 50s. Right after that, I got an idea for a heavy 50s song. It was real dark. And so I wrote the chords to this thing and uh, played it on the guitar guitar and David really liked it. And we didn't know what we were going to do with it, but we decided to develop it. David was inspired to write some words for it and thought that it might be ideal for Rebecca. Rebecca came over and David gave her the words and she started singing a melody immediately to it that we really liked. She took in, in some of the English words and turned them into Spanish and uh, incorporated it as a bilingual song. And then she wanted this whole dreamy ending. So I had to change the ending chorus to just go back and forth and be no stars all the way out. And we recorded it the next day. Wow. It was really amazing. That's something. And I put the drums down and then Dave and I both played electric guitar on it and I played the guitar orchestra on it. Dave did the lyrics himself. I wrote the music, and Rebecca wrote the vocal melody and the Spanish lyrics. It is like a beautiful song. I have to say that the end of the show, I was glued to the TV. Like it was mesmerizing, beautiful, touching, and I and I was like, "Is this song about Laura?" That's all I kept thinking about. Is this song an overall? Oh. You know, I kept thinking about Laura, and I kept thinking about the overall 
story arc of uh, her story. And that's what it really reminded me of. But it was beautiful. I mean, the three of you should just put an album out together. You know? Yeah. Just do it well, all. That was our intent. <laughs> that's awesome. That was our intent all those years ago. And this song is 15 years old. Wow. And can you share with us how did David reach out to you about this song? I got an email from the lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, said that we'd like to use the tune in the series and that uh, David owns the master recording but uh, you own one-third of the copyright, and therefore we need a contract, and blah, 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 blah. The money was minimal, but I'm just happy to see the song come to life. It was one of my favorites of the season uh, so far. I say that every week, but this one has blown everyone else out of the water. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And I've been waiting for it. I know, Excellent. Cause, yeah, because you, you, you said that you were going to have the song, and every week it's like, oh, is this, is this John's song? Is this John's yeah, song? Yeah, yeah, so we're waiting for we're it. We're waiting for it. So it's, oh, that is really something. I, I loved it. It was, it was really beautiful. I actually, it's available uh, through her, her album that she had. It's an album called Love Hurts, Love Heals, and it was released in November of 2011. And uh, I mastered the album for her. It's a really nice record. We put No Stars on it, and I remastered No Stars that album so it sounds a little different than it does on the tv show because the tv show is an unmastered version so it's definitely worth looking into because it's a, it's quite the experience cool. i guess that it's going to be on the new soundtrack album too though that'd be awesome yeah probably yeah. Come out in september i'm guessing yeah what the, they've been doing is putting the soundtrack like every week they put a new song on there so by the end of the season you'll have the whole soundtrack yeah, so i've just been well, waiting i've been getting songs but you know once in a, yeah. oh, i like that song i'll get it but yeah it's weird how they're slowly doling it out to us john i know the answer but uh we we see moby with a guitar in the show moby didn't have anything to do with this right he had absolutely nothing to do with it yeah i think it was just david's love for moby to have him in there some way yeah, and I think there's a yeah. Other... It was just a, a TV band. Yeah, that's yeah. what we thought. But it was cool to see Moby on there because you know he he was on the vinyl that David Lynch uh, Fest vinyl he did. Oh yeah, and, and he's done Go, which uh, they did uh, like a he had a remix with Twin yes. Peaks. Yeah, yeah. So cool. when we talked to you last time, I didn't bring up, but I loved Rabbits from davidlynch.com, the original Rabbits. I thought that was a great series, and you did just a wonderful job with with adding the music and, and what you did with that series. Thank you. I like Rabbits. I like it a lot, too. I keep I need to find a way to get the, uh, what is it, the Green Lime box set or something like that. It's hard to find now, but I, I really need that just to be able to, to watch Have it by Rabbits. itself. Yeah. So, yeah, I hear that box set has gotten expensive. Yeah, hundreds of dollars. It's like a hundred, two hundred dollars, and it's yeah. It's, I wish David would put it on Blu-ray or make it available again. It would be something. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so, and Rebecca had a, a small part. I think she was in like episode three of Rabbits. Yeah, she was one of the rabbits. Uh, the first two were Laura Herring and Naomi Watts, and then Scott Coffey was Jack Rabbit, and then Laura had some other commitments and couldn't continue, so David called Rebecca, and she got into the rabbit suit, and she was a rabbit. <laughs> I love it. Jack Rabbit. I know it's funny because we have Jack Rabbit mentioned in the series there with Bobby and maybe his make-believe place with his dad. Yeah, and now you have Jack Rabbits from Rabbits. We, uh, ben and myself were talking about how we feel this this return of Twin Peaks is almost like a love letter to everything David Lynch has ever done. Somehow, some way, it's like, a, like Easter eggs throughout of just a reference to art, music, 
uh, his movies, his short films. Yeah. You've been watching it. What did you think of the, of the new series, John? When I saw the cast list announced, it came to my mind that what David was doing was making a magnum opus or his grand unified field of all of his work. Hmm. And, um, and, and I do believe that that's what the series is becoming. It's his, definitely his magnum opus. It's an 18-hour movie. Yeah. It's uh, just stunning. Well, before I go, I just w- I want to say, you know, we're going to the Twin Peaks Fest in about a week, and I know you'll be there, so I can't wait to meet you in person. I'll be a vendor there in uh, high school. What will you be selling there? Uh, all three editions of Blue Bob. Very cool. Nice. nice. I'll definitely be getting one. <laughs> Thank you so much, John, for your time. Rest and get well, and I, I hope you're doing all right after your surgery. Uh, things are going well. I just went to the doctor today, and everything's checked up good. Thank you, John. You got it. See you in the trees. Thank you, John Neff, for talking with us. It's really cool to hear the behind the scenes of that song. Before we go, we have yet another interview for everybody. <laughs> Sometimes I think we do too much. Two interviews, we're doing part 10, we're doing it all. <laughs> this is a good episode. It is. Every week I say it's a good episode, but this episode is just better than the last. We have Andrew from the 25 Years Later webpage. Yeah. He did a, an amazing markup of our origin story on the 25 Years Later webpage. He did a great interview with us. You can check that out. We said, well, hey, you get to be on our show too. So here is Andrew from 25 Years Later. So we're here with Andrew, who recently did an interview with us on the 25yearslatersite.com. Hi, Andrew. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Good. I thought it'd be great to have you on the show, and you could kind of tell us a little bit about the the website and what you guys are doing. Can you tell us like a history? How did you, this get started? Yes. Yeah, so uh, a few months before the return premiered, I kind of just had this itch that I mean, I'm a lifelong fan. I uh, strangely enough, I watched Twin Peaks as a child with my parents when mm. it was originally on. So I was five, six years old when the show wow. came out. Wow. But it's still yes. So I distinctly remember my parents being very into it. I remember my dad being convinced that Josie was going to be the killer. I remember (laughs) them talking about it all the time. So it's something that I just kind of grew up with. And I remember the finale, the season two finale. I had nightmares for years after. (laughs) And I was terrified. And like my parents were trying to like kick me out of the room. And I'm like turning over the corner because I really wanted to see what was going on. And (laughs) So uh, Twin Peaks has been a huge part of almost my entire life. And I had an itch to do something creative uh, around the time the return was coming back, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And uh, I was sitting at home one day, my son was taking a nap, and I was reading John Thorne's book, The Essential Wrapped in Plastic. And I just really started to remember how much I love that deep dive analytical look at Twin Peaks Mm -hmm. and about how it's so much more than the surface. And it just hit me. I was like, I want to write. And nice. uh, that's kind of, that's where the initial idea was born. That was probably three, four months before the return premiered. I put out some feelers on Facebook. And I was like, hey, I'm going to start this thing. And I really just planned on it being a tiny little blog. And all these people just started coming out of the woodwork. Like, hey, I'd like to help. I'd like to be a part of that. And now it's much bigger than I ever planned on it being. <laughs> it's a beautiful uh, layout you have for the webpage. Oh, yeah. It's, it's Thank great. you. Can you share with us some of the team? Who, who's who's part of this uh, website? In the, in the beginning, there was a bunch of people that said they wanted to be a part of it. And then when they realized like how big it was going to be, they just couldn't commit to how, due to how busy their lives were. 
But there's a guy named Justin and a guy named Brian that were from day one that both just said, we're in on this. Mm. And then I started talking to the hosts of Bickering Peaks and Lindsay and Aiden, and they both just fell in love with the idea and they came on board. They're like, hey, we would like to help. Like We both enjoy writing in addition to podcasting. And can we can we write with you? Awesome. And then they started they started introducing me to a lot of the people that are the team now. They uh, Lindsay introduced me to John Bernardi, and mm. then she introduced me to a lady named Eileen. And the team just kind of really took off from there. Laura Stewart, who uh, is over in the UK, she was one of the next team members to join, and it just kind of kept snowballing from there. And now we're up to eleven, including myself. Wow, that's awesome! That's cool. Would you say every day, pretty much, you have content coming out? So it's seven days a week, and we have at least two posts a day. Um, we we actually have a schedule where uh, I put it out typically on Saturday or Sunday. I kind of let everybody know, like, here's what I know is definitely coming out. What day of the week? here's what spots I have open and then people kind of fill them up quick. And we try not to put too much out there so people have a chance to read it, but we try to have a post out in the morning and a post out in the evening. And a lot of them are regulars. Like for example, every Monday night I, uh, I have a feature called the waiting room and in that it, it's kind of a blog more than anything where I'm just kind of giving my thoughts on the previous night's episode. And I'm, strictly looking at the storylines in Twin Peaks, the storylines with Mr. C and the FBI. And we kind of made a choice to break up the story threads. It really, so we could do better writing on it. You know, yeah. we have, Eileen has, she has a feature that comes out on Tuesdays called Homeward Bound, where she follows Agent Cooper, currently Dougie Cooper. Mm-hmm. And she's strictly focused on his journey. And then on Wednesdays, Laura Stewart has a feature that comes out called Who Killed Ruth Davenport, where it's the South Dakota storylines. And then she's also kind of absorbed uh, Blue Funos Aries and then Arlington when that city was featured. And she's just kind of grabbing up all the new locations as they pop up. And that way we feel like we kind of do a little bit better analyzing by not trying to look at the entire story, just one writer doing it. That's a great idea. It really is. Yeah. Nice. And John Bernardi is a good uh, friend of ours. He's been on the show many times. Yeah. And I love his uh, piece that he does where he kind of looks at all of the Twin Peaks podcast last week in Twin Peaks. And that's how I was introduced to him. Uh, he got a hold of Lindsay. He saw the, the site. I think we'd been up for a week or two. And he's like, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay made the introduction. And he had this idea in mind. He's like, I'm already listening to all these podcasts. And he's like, I want to write about them. And I was like, okay, like that sounds like a brilliant idea. And now it's a hugely popular feature that we have on the site. It's very ambitious to try to like find all the Twin Peaks podcasts, listen to them all, and by the end of the week, be able to give you a summary of, of all of them. And then he, he a lot of times he'll say what was his favorite of the week. If anybody could do this, it's John Bernardi, though. I mean, seriously, he's the man. He was meant to do this. Oh, yeah. I call him the hardest working man that I know. Uh, I mean, he literally is. And it's not just the feature. He has all kinds of ideas. Last night, he sent me an email, this really well thought out intricate article and it blew me away and it tied together so many small theories that I've been talking about with people just on social media and John just had this amazing way of tying everything together and it's not the first time he's done that he always has ideas just for regular features and uh the guy's brilliant. John was going to do his own blog. Like, he had his own ideas. And I think because of your site, I, he, I think he basically ditched his other his blog and decided to 
put all of his energy into 25 years later site. And it's really cool. He had a lot of stuff written for that blog already. And like his time quake theory that he's been on your show talking about. Mm. Yeah. Um, I remember that episode pretty distinctly. He's like, well, can I post that? You know, I was like, absolutely. Like, I remember listening to that episode of your guys' show where he talked about that. And I was like, oh, that's way smarter than anything I've ever come up with. But it's brilliant. Like, of course, it's that on the site. And he's an extremely hardworking guy. And he's somebody that I talk to at least six days a week. You know, we, we have a group messaging app mm. because nobody lives in the same city. Yeah. All of us writers, there's a, there's three in the UK. There's a, uh, Lindsay's in Canada. I'm in Cincinnati. We're all over the place. And uh, so we use this group messaging app and we're just constantly bouncing ideas off each other. I've kind of fell into the editor-producer role, which um, I didn't see coming. I thought that I was going to be more of a writer, but mm. now I'm kind of the one that... Uh, it's doing the social media and going over ideas with all the writers. And it's been really cool because, you know, like John, for example, have an idea and he brings it to me and we talk and it's just like talking Twin Beaks with your friends, you know, yeah, only it's awesome. now we're writing about it. Well, it's an awesome site. And I, you also do interviews with people as well. Yeah. So we've, uh, there's probably five or six interviews up on the site. You know, in addition to you guys, we interviewed, uh, the guys from Counter Esperano, I've interviewed Scott Ryan, Tom Thorne, Bickering Peaks. So, so we do have a few interviews up right now, and it's something that we're looking to get more into. And then recently I had an a chance to interview Nicole uh, La Liberté, who played Daria in mm. Part 1 and 2 wow. of Twin Peaks The Return. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so really that's cool. something we're, we're kind of branching off into now. I got to read that. That's great that you got an interview with her. I just happened to uh, get a hold of her on Twitter, and she got me in touch with her publicist, and... It worked out really cool, and it was, it was very exciting. You know, it was the uh, it was the first time that I'd done a phone interview, and obviously I transcribed it. You know, before that, everything was just kind of emailing back and forth to people, mm. and so it was a huge first for us. And she was super accommodating, and she was pretty happy with the interview too. So that was one of those moments where, if the other writers and I were in the same city, we probably would would have done a really cheesy group high five. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And it's not easy to get interviews with the actors from Twin Peaks. Yeah, we've had a lot of no's, and we've had a lot of hey, we'll talk to you in September. Yeah, we get so that too. Kinda, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, it's, September will be an exciting time. What do you think's next for you guys? I mean, you guys are just you know, going going along every day, turning out stuff. So uh, a lot of the regular features can kind of go on for a while, and we're having those discussions about what happens after the return's over. And we've kind of agreed that for the first year, you know, just hypothetically speaking, say this is the end for Twin Peaks, September's the end. There's at least a year of good theorizing ahead of us. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, once we're able to kind of see the big picture. And then we've kind of talked about branching into looking back at a lot of the old stuff and then also into uh, David Lynch and Mark Frost's work individually. So we're, we're having those conversations and kind of splitting up who wants to do what and mm. You know, the content, it probably won't be seven days a week forever, but there's still a lot of cool stuff to write about. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. I know we talk about the same thing. Yeah. All the time. It's like, how long do you do it for? But I mean, when you think about it, even when the show's over, we got the Mark Frost book, and I'm sure there's other things. Other to talk things, about yeah. And who knows? What if they mm -hmm. do another season? They are. Uh, cross your fingers. Now, <laughs> yeah, you never know. Twin Peaks is going to be at San Diego Comic Con, and mm -hmm. they have Hall H that Friday. There, people are going to get a special screening of episode 11. Yeah, before... Uh, Every, yeah, uh, and I'm wondering if they're going to make an announcement. 
That would be a great time to do an announcement. I feel like, I mean, if any time to be an announcement would be there. I don't know. Fingers crossed. I had the same thought when I saw the Comic-Con stuff. And then in addition, Kyle MacLachlan did the Facebook question and answer. Yeah. He was on one of the morning shows, the Kelly Ripa show. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then he did an interview with the Holly Reporter. So there's a lot of publicity going on right now. Mm. And it's... You know, if they were going to make an announcement, Comic-Con would definitely be the time. You know, I think the marketing by Showtime on this series has been very on point. They've been very – I think they've been on top of it. You get you gave us a week off from the show, but they kicked in that promotion. They kicked it up a notch mm-hmm. just so it stays out there, so people know it's still out there. And, yeah, I just feel like something could be said or done at this uh, at the convention. Yeah, there. this panel though is incredible. To get Kyle McLaughlin there, to get Tim Roth, Dana Ashbrook, Kim Robertson, Matthew Lillard, Everett McGill, James Marshall, Don Murray, and Naomi Watts. I mean, that is uh, in quite a lineup. Yeah. I mean, like I know I was like saying to myself, I was thinking about this, and I was like, is there any way I could go to this? And there's like no, no way. way. <laughs> there's no way I can go to this. And like we're, no we're going. We're going to the Twin Peaks Fest, what, like a week later or so? Yes, it's so, next like, weekend. Yeah. And Damon Lindelof is oh. is is the uh, panel master. Right. And how cool is that that Damon Lindelof is the host panel? That's I know. Awesome. Right. He's a huge Twin Peaks fan. I'm a huge Damon Lindelof fan. Yeah, I mean, so am I. Well, Brian and I love Lost. Yeah, uh, and, and, and The Leftovers. Ah, the Leftovers are incredible. I you still haven't seen that last season. I haven't watched yet. last season, but oh, season really two good. was probably by far one of my favorite things I've ever seen on TV. I mean, besides Twin Peaks. Season three is really good. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. It was difficult when Twin Peaks came back, like, not being able to watch The Leftovers. It's like, well, Twin Peaks is on. Obviously, I'm going to watch that. I'm yeah. going to have to wait till tomorrow to watch The Leftovers. And it was like, oh, can I just stay up a little later and go into work late tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, ever since Twin Peaks came sure. on, I think Scott Ryan said it best when he said, he, he would watch, like, Fargo or something else, and he goes, I would enjoy this more if this was Twin Peaks. Oh, that's only – or he basically said exactly. all he wants to do is watch, watch Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. He's like, forget all the other shows. Yeah. And <laughs> I honestly haven't watched any other show until – in just Twin Peaks, that's it. So yeah. once Twin Peaks is over, I'll catch up on all the things I missed. And believe me, I have a, a list of shows <laughs> I want to watch. But, I, like, every day – me and Ben are texting, we're talking, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, and it's all Twin Peaks, and I just kind of enjoy, I just want to enjoy the ride. Oh, yeah. You know? Sometimes exactly. I don't know if I'm savoring it enough. It's like, it's so, like, I'm so, like, excited we're about in it. it. Like, yeah. I'm so in it. It's like, I almost wish I could step back and just, like, look at it, but, like, I just feel like I'm so into the show. Yeah, yeah. And so, Andrew, what do you think of of, yeah. the, of what you've seen so far? What, do you, what have you been really enjoying about Twin Peaks? So I'm definitely enjoying all of it. It's kind of interesting what you were just saying. Like, there's part of me, like, now that I'm so involved in a project related mm-hmm. to Twin Peaks, that, like, wonders, like, okay, if I were just watching it, like, would this experience be different? And I'm so caught up in the day-to-day, minute-by-minute, like, ooh, let's write a theory about this, that uh, it's made for it to be a really exciting time. You know, majority of my day, unless I'm with my kids, my family, or at work. I mean, even then, I'm still thinking about Twin Peaks. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can't lie. Yeah. It's true. It's on the brain. My, my, my two-year-old says, Daddy, are you going to go watch Twin Peaks? <laughs> you know, it's a huge part of my life. So he gets it. Yeah. But, um, That's great. But, you know, it, it's, it's interesting, like, watching the show. Like, it, it, 
it's overwhelming a lot of times just because Lynch and Frost are pulling off something completely unique. Mm. It's obviously not a nostalgia trip. This is something that has the potential to change television. Yeah. In terms of an 18-hour film, in terms of the pacing, they're doing so many things that are completely unique to what we see that you know, they talk about the golden age of television, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, The Leftovers, all these Game of Thrones, all these really amazing shows. And Twin Peaks took it up a notch. They really did. Oh, and yeah. uh, it's a lot like in 1990 when Lunch and Frost came out and said, okay, so you're used to Dallas and Dynasty. We're going to play in that realm, but it's going to be completely different. And that's exactly what they're doing here. You know, we have this anti-hero in Mr. C, who's a lot like a Tony Soprano or a, a Walter White from Breaking Bad, hmm. but it's still different. Yeah. And they've got us thinking about it like, like, do we still want to root for the anti-hero, even <laughs> though we did in all these other shows? Right. And they're making it a thing. Okay, I'm going to rewatch Part 8 again. And I, I knew that there was something I was missing. And I think a lot of what I was missing was that first, those first couple scenes with Mr. C and Ray. I got so caught up in the atomic bomb that I didn't appreciate just how amazing those first few scenes were in the show. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah. You know, you, as a television viewer, you're sitting there thinking like, okay, well, Mr. C is going to pull out the gun. He's going to shoot Ray, end of story. And they completely flipped it. They reversed it. And they told us Ray is a really important character in this. And I know I kind of thought of him as a lesser character in the story. Yeah. And part eight told us, no, like, he's a big deal moving forward. I yeah. agree. I totally yeah. thought part eight was like, okay, this is the episode that Ray dies. Like it's set up to yeah. like, he, like yeah. <laughs> he served his purpose. He's going to give the information to uh, uh, evil Cooper and that's it. Yeah. And then to, yeah, to totally flip it. <laughs> <laughs> flip it was awesome. It was awesome. And then yeah. to be able to shoot <laughs> Mr. C there and think that, is he dead and what's happening? And, it's, and then we saw him stand, sit up right. and he had no blood on him. He sat up and he was completely free of Bob. Healed by the woodsman. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't... I'm now still questioning whether he was whether Bob did leave him or not. It's still well. They showed him them pulling Bob out of him. Maybe showed it. I don't. What do you think, Andrew? I think it's debatable, but if you ask me to place a bet, I would say that Bob left. Yeah. And that now this is just a prediction of mine. I think that Bob is moving towards Twin Peaks now. Yeah, and that's kind of where the the and you guys we've talked about this not in this interview but prior about how we think the setting of Twin Peaks is going to become more important in the next nine ten episodes. Yeah, and I definitely. think that Bob's heading back, and a, a character maybe like Richard Horn, somebody like that. You know, it, he's already an evil dude. Yeah, we've seen him do some bad stuff. Toss Bob into the mix. Oh yeah, you know, somebody like yeah. So, so something like that could be in play. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I kind of feel like we got all these setups, and then the last eight, the payoffs on all these small little setups. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Got. Yeah. I hope so. So that's the question that we've kind of been debating, is how many of these small storylines are going to be paid off? You know, how, many, how much of it is just going to be... I mean, Lynch is big on showing us uh, peripheral characters in a lot of his films and in Twin Peaks where we don't always see how their stories conclude, but it's realistic to how the world is. You don't always see what the end game is for everybody. Yeah. So we might be left wondering about some of these characters, and maybe we'll get the resolution to Laura and Cooper and some of those characters, but 
maybe we don't get all the answers to uh, a character like Shelley's daughter, for example. Yeah, that's what we were talking about with Joel. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's just showing that this world is uh, alive and breathing right. with all these new people. Mm-hmm. And hey, if we got another season, right. we might see more of that. Yes, we have enough. We yeah. have enough uh, fleshed out storylines that we could continue this into yeah. season two. Is it would it be season two or would it be or season the four? return? The return. The return. The return. return. <laughs> yes. um, so the I, return part two. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day, and I texted Ben this, and I I feel like we might get a funeral, another funeral for Major Briggs. Because if his body gets returned and it's it's said, hey, this is Major Briggs' body, yeah. well, his wife is going to want to see him one last time. And I'm almost thinking we might see a lot of familiar faces at Major Briggs' funeral. That's something they did in the original series. Yeah, and it makes With, sense. Yeah, there's another theory floating around about the, about the funeral idea and kind of bringing the town together for one big scene. Yeah. Only the theory that I've heard, and I can't take credit for it, is... Harry Sherman, oh. you know, with the progression of these phone calls talking about how sick he is. And yeah. the last time that we saw Frank, like it seemed like Harry's diagnosis was a lot worse. And the idea of never seeing Michael on Keene, but yeah. having a service for him and bringing the entire town together for the beloved sheriff. Yeah. And that would just rip my heart. Yeah. I mean, it's so sad. He's not part of the show. And every time they're, they do the phone call, I'm like, Oh no. They're gonna. It's gonna be one yeah. more phone call where it's gonna be like he passed away or something. And I, do you, mm-hmm. I don't know if either one of you listening to Entertainment Weekly's podcast, Twin Peaks. No. Yes. Yeah. No. So I think hear, that's where I got it from. Yeah, it was interesting though. They that, that might have been where I got it from. They were talking to the actor who plays Frank yep. Truman, Robert Forster, and mm-hmm. he says on the uh, on the set. Uh, Lynch comes up with a scene of the phone call with his brother. So that wasn't part of the original huh. s- script. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like, what? He just, I think that's, at least that's what I thought I heard. This is me and the dentist listening to this. So who knows? I could have misheard it, but I swear I heard <laughs> I swear I heard that he says, like, Lynch on the fly just says, I'm going to create a couple of the scenes for you, and it's going to be you talking to your brother just on the fly. And it's hmm. like, so that, to me, that's like, it'd be really interesting to see if he did that. Where is the story going? Like, does, yeah. does Lynch, did Lynch know where yeah. he was going to connect to it? And he felt like he needed another scene with his brother? Or, I don't know. Maybe. Huh. It was a really cool thing. There's I mean, it co- opens up a lot of possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, many, so much good stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, th- mm-hmm. I think we got to go, Andrew. But it was so good talking with you. I do really love your site 25 years later. Yeah, it's awesome. Tell people how they can uh, go to your site and follow you on social media. So we are on Twitter uh, at 25 Years Later, and we have a Facebook group where we post our links daily. The Facebook group is just called 25 Years Later. Um, we're the WordPress website that we use, you can sign up to get an email every time we post. Um, or if you're a member of that site, you can uh, sign up to follow us on there. Um, so we're pretty active on social media. Um, we, when we enjoy really discussing our posts with people, that's kind of the fun part of it. Because at the end of the day, we're fans. You know, we want to talk to people about our theories. And we, we have our weekly Thursday night debates that we call Black Lodge, White Lodge. And uh, those are really fun because people, get, they take a side. You know, they say, oh, I'm on Andrew's side or I'm on John Bernardi's side in an argument. And, cool. You know, that's really what this is about. It's celebrating the return of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Andrew, for being on today's show. And thank you, John Neff, for being on today's show. We appreciate it. And thank you 
the community at large for listening to us, giving us that five-star review, giving us that great review on iTunes. We appreciate it. Our podcast has maintained and has stayed in the top 200 of TV and film and iTunes, and we very much appreciate that. Many many days were under 100. I mean, it's always fun to, to we, see that. And We fluctuate. Uh, we fluctuate along with Diane, uh, a couple other of the podcasts out there. Twin Peaks, uh, the EW. E- I'm really interested to see how we maintain this because the podcasting recap kind of thing is getting crowded. Game of Thrones had just started. Mm. Now Game of Thrones has flooded the TV and film podcast charts. And so it's interesting to see. Uh, now we have Game of Thrones in there, and we still maintain. Will will Twin Peaks still maintain to stay in those charts? And I, so far, so good yeah. as of today. So that's awesome. And we thank everybody who has written us on Twin Peaks at uh, Twin Peaks Unwrapped at gmail.com, who has followed us on Twitter, who has liked and comments every Sunday night with me on Facebook. I love it. And we're reaching our 900 likes goal, which is really cool. And to all you YouTube listeners, mmm. <laughs> yes. I, I, even this episode, mm. I, I was counting how many times do I mmm. <laughs> now, this is something Ben didn't know. And I, I, I did. never I, thought I, I about knew, it. but I didn't know how much it irritated some so people. So we're addressing the mmm in the yes. room. And I probably will continue to do it. I will try to edit out and you know get rid of those mmms as often as I can. You know... It's it's human quirks that we all have, and yeah. I and I never thought about it because I'm in the room with you and I've known you for so long, and you doing it, not knowing. But I mean, it's good. I'm that nodding we, and not saying. Mm. Yeah. So Ben is reigning in his mm's and we, I don't know if I am, but I, <laughs> we'll do our best. I'll try. You'll try. Uh, so yeah, we we're all over the place. You can definitely check us out. And uh, yeah, thank you for all your support. And uh, do you have anything else you want to say before we go? Um, yet again, I feel like every show we go longer and longer. You know, some shows, I think uh, Sparkwind Twenty One, they have a whole feedback show. I mean, they're amazing. They have their regular part show, and then they do a feedback show. Uh, we don't have the time, unfortunately, to do that. But I, I think that's awesome. I love what uh, Sparkwind Twenty One are doing, and you guys are awesome. So before we go, I do have because I've I've passed off the feedback the last couple episodes, and I, I enjoy doing it. So these are some of the comments we got in uh, Sunday from Sunday night to now on our Facebook. I always post a photo every Sunday night after the show airs. The community talks about it; it's great, and I really enjoy it. Uh, Nathan wrote, the new season has consistently delivered weird scenes and authentic nuances that surprised me as an old Lynch fan, and even with some clear Lynch tropes. I like it more and more, and yes, Laura is the one, my perfect hot cocaine Jesus. Hashtag faster and faster. And man, that is the truth. Laura is the one. And it's true. Even this episode, even though I wasn't too keen on some of the fluff, this is like one of the first episodes afterwards, I felt like the old Twin Peaks. Mm. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was that song. But there was something about this episode that kind of lured me into this feeling of nostalgia for the original show. And there was a comfort to it. 
I, I can't place my finger on it yet, but I don't know. Did you get that feeling at all from this one? Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, Rebecca Del Rio, yeah, I almost felt like the world spins. Like, I felt like ju- there was a little bit of touch of Julie Cruz. That could have been it. And the world spins. And so I felt like there was that atmosphere. And she's 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 not doing Julie Cruz, but there was something about that atmosphere that I just felt like it, brought, it reminded me of old Twin Peaks. Yeah. And, you know, there's a few other people who... Uh, said that uh, John wrote this episode felt the most like the old show I didn't need or expect that but it was nice like going back in time and John said it perfectly I felt the same way like yeah and I think a lot of the people in the community were kind of saying yeah this kind of felt like old Twin Peaks and maybe because we're so far into the season we're becoming comfortable and I think this season started off very uneasy for us like Not in a bad way. We don't know what we're getting into. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of unease because these are new characters. Yeah, right. The characters we don't know. Yeah, but now we're getting into the rhythms. So maybe we are becoming comfortable with what we're we're going through. I also think that... They purposely did it this way, Mark Frost and David Lynch. I do, yeah. th- and like I definitely think there's a lot more music than there was from from the be- from the first parts and stuff. I hear a lot more music when I'm and Balamente a lot of music, Balamente music, yeah. and like and sometimes you're just so into the scene now you don't always even notice that they've got the music going on. But I think yeah, I definitely feel it. I think they're purposely turning it into. I want to believe this anyways that it's becoming more of the Twin Peaks that we know. Yeah, I, I do agree. I do agree. And I got one more comment from Luke. This is on our Facebook page. Thought this was another great episode. Worked mostly on a thermetic level, really pushing towards the climax with Laura at Gordon's door. The waters are rising. Feels like a dam might break soon. That's true. Yeah. I mean, everything's bubbling to the top, and you know, before we know it, it might it will be over. I, I just want to enjoy this journey. It's, I'm trying to enjoy. It. I, yeah. I know it, it. There's so many emotions, and you're always trying to figure it all out. And I keep trying to tell myself, okay, calm down, just enjoy what we got, yeah. and just take it all in, because it is. It's gonna it's gonna be over in seven weeks. I and it, that's scary. I don't want it to be over. Yeah. I wanted to give a shout out to Jamie, who's always emailing us. He emails us every week, and he's always got a lot to share. And I, I don't think. I, I think every week I keep saying, oh, I want to I want to mention Jamie because Jamie, he's so cool and he always has a lot of great things to talk about. And like, you know, I think last week it was he was like saying how funny we've gotten. And it was nice to always hear that positive stuff. Yeah. And um, we both, uh, Ben and myself, we read the emails we get at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. And Jamie, we read your emails. We appreciate it. Just because we don't write back doesn't mean we got it. We appreciate it. Sometimes life is very busy. And I but I enjoy the feedback. And yeah. thank you. Keep to it everyone. coming. Keep it coming. So with that, Ben, we wrap up another episode of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. We'll see you guys next week. Watch and listen to the dream of time and space. It all comes out now, flowing like a river. that which is and is not. Hawk. Laura is the one.